Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Replacement Level Podcast. I'm Ross Carey. Thanks for listening. Thrilled to be joined right now by Vinny Chalk. Vinny pitched in the majors for parts of eight seasons and is currently an agent with the CAA. You can give him a follow on Twitter at ChulkVinny. That's C-H-U-L-K-V-I-N-N-I-E. Vinny, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Well, Vinny, I ask everyone this right at the top. Tell me what initially got you into baseball in the first place. Um, that would have to be my dad. Uh, basically, uh, around five years old, I was always around uh, my yard, uh, hitting the ball or with a stick, with a tennis ball, and he figured out, uh, he figured, hey, you know, he might like it. So then we went on to uh, Little League at around six years old, and, and, and that's basically, since then, he was really my coach uh, of most of my teams going through the, the Little League, uh, I guess you will uh, Bantams, midgets is what we call them, juveniles. And then, uh, you know, he had a, he had a passion for it and, and wanted me to, I guess, follow. <laughs> Were you playing other sports in high school as well? No, I was, I was, I mean, for fun, I would play a lot of uh, basketball and, and I played well. I just knew there wasn't a, uh, a very good ceiling for me uh, being six foot one. So um, I, I just stuck with baseball as far as uh, organized sports. Were scouts coming to your games when you were in high school? No, actually, I, uh, I was very, very uh, short, if you will. Um, I guess uh, I started growing a little bit in my senior year, but I was uh, you know, close to 5'3", 100 pounds my junior year in high school, and, and although I had an arm, I wasn't throwing much more than 75 to 78 my junior year, and then 82 my senior year uh, with a lot of sliders and curveballs. So, yeah, there, there was no scouts to be seen there. So at this point, are you thinking as a as a five foot three kid that Major League Baseball is in your future? What did you think your career would be when you were a seventeen and eighteen year old kid? Um, absolutely not. I, I didn't. I didn't put that. You know, actually in my head. Uh, what I did try to, to focus on was to try to somehow play junior college at the local college here, Miami Dade Community College, uh, with hopes of possibly getting four years or my other two years after my AA paid for. Um, you know, I, I kind of came up in a, in a background where I wasn't going to get my college paid for unless I got it paid for by, by the school. So uh, I didn't want to take out too many loans and all that. So I basically just put myself in and focused on getting my school done. And when did you have the growth spurt? Um, I would say like towards the end of my senior year. During my senior year and towards the end of it, uh, I didn't really gained a lot of weight, but I did, uh, I did get up to about five foot seven, uh, five foot eight. Uh, and then I, I, I mean, I basically took the whole, I didn't get recruited by anybody and, uh, didn't, wasn't going to make the two coaching. So I took the whole year off and, uh, that's, that point I grew, I was working construction and, and kind of two jobs at the same time. So you, you mentioned that you were you were throwing curveballs and sliders in high school. Who taught you how to throw those pitches? And were you, in hindsight, throwing them correctly? You know, I, I would work on it a lot on my own. Uh, I, mean, I think it was for me. It was a it was a field pitch, and when I had the good feel for it, I I I just learned where I could throw it, when I needed to throw it in the dirt, when I, and it kind of came naturally. I had a guy that helped me a long time ago, which. I'm not, I'm not sure 100%, but I think he had some kind of pro ball experience with Danny Evans. Uh, uh, he was a good friend of my, uh, my mom and dad, and, and he, 
gave me a couple pitching lessons. But other than that, I really never had a lesson. <laughs> you eventually grew some more. You shot up to six foot two. And at this point, what was your velocity like when you when you sort of reach your maximum height? Were you seeing instant ticks up in velocity? Um, no, I, I kind of went through uh, that fall ball that fall year, and when I was at Miami Dade, I didn't get a, uh, I didn't play, and then I took some time off with my arm. And then I actually had a tryout for St. Thomas University, and I threw well. I had a really good tryout. I was throwing strikes with all my pitches, and I was throwing like 84, 85. So I think just the actual like throwing uh, got my velocity up a little bit. Um, so I was 84 to 85, possibly touching 86, and they gave me a scholarship. Uh, did have to take out a little loan, which was really against what I, what I wanted to do. But, you know, I was at a good decent school and, and a school that I, I knew a lot of guys on and I wanted to play for, so... I threw my freshman year, and it was 80, like I said, 84 to 87 tops. And then my sophomore year, uh, I saw a little bit more climb, nothing crazy out of this world. Uh, got up to 90 every once in a while. And then, uh, I mean, I was always a hard worker. And then my junior and senior year, my junior year mostly, is where I dumped the biggest jump from, you know, 90 to 93. Uh, not consistently, but I would hit it, and I would hit it plenty in the game. And then my senior year, I was... I was a lot. I mean, I was throwing 94, uh, 25 times a game. Uh, so it was it was a, a huge jump for me. And is that when you realized that you actually had a shot to make the major leagues, junior and senior year? Yeah, my junior year, I had scouts a bunch of uh, those cards, uh, whatnot. You know, some even promised I was going to be on their board to get drafted, and one told me he was. They were taking me. Uh, they were hopefully going to take me early but didn't know uh, anywhere from the 8th to the 15th. I ended up not getting drafted, but I knew I had a shot then, uh, you know, as far as talking to scouts and this and that, that had never happened to, to me before, or really anybody on my team for that matter. So the next year when I was pitching, I would see like 10 guys and three or four familiar faces. So I knew that there were teams that were really following at that point. You were drafted in the 12th round of the 2000 draft by the Blue Jays. You played in the system for the Blue Jays. You made it up pretty quick. You made your Major League debut in 2003. Tell me about that moment when you made your Major League debut. Um, it was it was nerve-wracking. Uh, you know, I was up in the big leagues, I guess, September call-up, and uh, I didn't pitch for about nine or ten days, I want to say. It might have been eight. Who knows? But, you know, we get to New York, and obviously it's New York at the time when Peters and and everybody was, you know, it was just a, a pretty hostile environment to go to. And, uh, you know, I think we were getting beat by uh, a good amount. And my my name got called. And lo and behold, you know, Derek Jeter was like, I knew Derek Jeter was coming up the next thing. And, and I had to warm up. And once the, the gate opened to go in, I actually uh, got stopped and left center for uh, God Bless America, uh, which I usually, you know, uh, can sing the whole song, but that's, that day, I was pretty much trying to keep my legs from shaking uh, in front of everybody and uh, trying to keep my composure. So was Jeter the first guy you faced in the majors? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, a little, little bit, a uh, little bit crazy. Once I saw him, I got my warm ups in. Uh, my first pitch was a little bit, I guess, high and tight, uh, which was supposed to be down in a way. Uh, and then I kind of got my bearings and I knew kind of where the ball was going, uh, but still just. In, in total awe when I was out there of the moment. Uh, I wish, you know, I could have been there more, but I, I feel like it was an out-of-body experience, to be honest. Did you get him out? Uh, he actually hit, he swung and hit like a dribbler to third baseman, and uh, Eric Kinski was just late getting him at first. 
one of your teammates in those early Toronto years was Roy Halladay. Tell me what he was like as a teammate. He was amazing. Uh, you know, he led by example. Uh, he went through a lot of adversity early in his career, uh, you know, going up and throwing a one-hitter and then, you know, losing it completely. And and uh, I got to see him in, in Dunedin for a good bit. And uh, and I watched the way he worked. And uh, and it kind of like, it rubs, up, rubs off on you. I mean, he, even if it doesn't rub off on you, he'll make it rub off because he'll, He'll say, hey, you want to run with me at uh, 5 in the morning for, before spring training starts? You can't tell Roy Holiday no. So uh, there was there was things that I would be able to do with him that, uh, you know, showed me how to, to go about my business. He was one of the hardest working guys I have ever uh, come across, and that that's for sure. And I've seen some pretty hard workers in this game. When the Blue Jays drafted you and put you in their system, were you always a reliever or were you starting at first? No, I was uh, – I was – I kind of went back and forth in the minor leagues. Uh, I got drafted as a starter. I started in rookie ball. Then uh, I jumped a couple levels to high A. Uh, as a reliever, I was throwing, you know, over the top, and I would, you know, get my arm down a little bit, throw some sidearm fastballs and sliders. And then the next uh, the next year, they were like, hey, we want to we want to start. Uh, and, you know, that's when they, they made me a starter again, and I went to double A and, and had the, the year that I think changed basically my whole life in baseball because, you know, it was my protection year and, and I went out there and really, uh, I threw the ball well. I started, I, I don't know how many starts exactly, but I know I had one, you know, all kinds of pitcher of the year stuff. And again, it was kind of weird to me to, uh, from going from this kid in Miami that was just hopefully, hopefully going to, uh, you know, make it through college to now getting drafted to now winning a pitcher of the year award for the Southern league and, and, you know, hopefully getting protected on the roster, which, obviously uh happened at the end of that year so no and then i went up to triple a the next year uh and started the whole year and um got that's when i got called up and basically the next year they were like hey listen we need a lot more help in the bullpen you know you're gonna have to win an injury as a starter um you know would you rather you know come and, and help the team now and, and and basically you know i i saw a lot of guys stuff as starters in the big league and, and you know i although i thought I had the best stuff in the world when I pitched because that's, I think, the way you have to think when you're out there. Uh, I saw some guys out there, and I'm like, wow, I don't know if I could contain, you know, all these all these pitches for this long and at this level. So I thought it was a good career move for me to, to go up and, and and basically, I mean, I'm not saying that they didn't they forced me, but it was kind of like the ultimatum of hey, stay in AAA or, or come help us as a reliever. And, and obviously, I thought the quicker path was as a reliever. Right, and that's a no-brainer. It's like, do you want to play in the minors or do you want to play in the majors, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. And you came into the league in 2003. It was sort of a transition time for Major League Baseball. They were just sort of starting testing. The initial survey test happened in 2003. Were you a part of that, by the way? Did they test you? Honestly, I can't remember that far back. I know, I know, I, I'm sure I got tested at some point. Uh, uh, I just can't really remember if it was 03 or 04 or 05. I, I know I got tested all afterwards. I mean, uh, I, I felt like I was uh, tested at least 500 times. <laughs> like Did you see afterwards. steroids still in the game at that point? Um, honestly, if, uh, I didn't see them, no. I didn't see them, like, uh, like visually. Like, I never saw anybody do steroids or anything like that. I, I know that people were always talking about it actually being in the game, but, you know, when you're up there, uh, I don't know. I, I, I never was part of that, and, and I just felt like I... Uh, I was just normal, just like everybody else, and I belonged, and everybody else was on the same, you know, blank, to be honest. 
Yeah, I just had Reggie Jefferson on, and Reggie was saying, you know, he, he never saw anything. And, you know, he and his teammates, that they they thought a few guys were doing it. They didn't think it was to the scale that it was. Were you in the same boat there? I mean, you know, it's just sometimes you've got to look at people and say, well, are, are you capable of getting that big? You know, so there are always going to be questions in that. But I'm with Reggie. I think Reggie came up a little bit before me, and uh, or a lot before me. And I think it was more when they started scaring people to test. I know it started to slow down. But uh, I don't know. On the Toronto Blue Jays, honestly, we were we were like the smaller little baby team in the American League East. So I, I don't think I saw it much uh, like guys that I would even have a question about, to be honest. You were playing in the American League East and sort of the height of the <laughs> Red Sox and Yankees craziness there. You're playing there in 2004 when the Red Sox won the World Series. What was that environment like going into those stadiums as an opponent? It was, you know, a little bit uh, overwhelming as a young guy. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I would always tell myself, and I'm sure a lot of the guys, uh, like our bullpen in 05, I mean, we, we would just pride ourselves on trying to be the best and picking each other up. And if I'm not mistaken, we had one of the better bullpens in Toronto in 05. And honestly, like, we would always say, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, you know. And we were definitely feeling like our, like my 380 RA, I felt like it was 1.7 in that, in that, uh, in that American League East that year because it was, it felt like it was one bat after the other. You never got a break. Not that you get a real break in the major leagues anyways, but it's, it's hard to see a, uh, a, a Jeter, Giambi, uh, Bernie Williams. You know, it, it just it never stopped. It felt like Terry Sheffield. And, you know, and then you go to the, the Red Sox and you got Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz, which took me out twice uh, out of three times. You know, it, it just felt like it never stopped. So, uh, and, and, you know, at that time, uh, Tampa Bay wasn't too shabby as far as their lineup. Baltimore always had the uh, the uh, Moras and then and the uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank the shortstop that they had for years there. Tejada. Uh, Tejada, yeah. I mean, you know, these guys raked, and it, it felt like uh, you know you you had to have your uh, your game ready uh, every time. You did spend a few years in Toronto, then you went to the National League, you went to San Francisco, you're playing in a pitcher's park. Uh, at least it has a reputation as the pitcher's park. How did you find the jump to the National League? I, I actually uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, although I love the city of Toronto, um, I probably wouldn't have wanted to leave ever. Uh, once I went to San Fran and saw that organization, uh, I was just as happy. Uh, you know, they, they they treated us great there uh, as far as players, the city, um, and and honestly, that ballpark was uh, a lot a lot easier to pitch in uh, for the most part. Um, you know, sometimes you get lack lackadaisical because you know you got that park behind you and you give up singles and all of a sudden you got man on second and third no outs and, and you know number three around so um there's, there's just, i like just playing in the national league better because i thought there was more to it um but uh you know other other than that uh it, it was the same for me to be honest because i was in the big league <laughs> you did play with barry bonds bonds's final two years you were his teammate what was he like as a teammate you know uh I guess contrary to a lot of people's beliefs, he was he was awesome with me. Uh, he's he basically uh, was right next to my locker, um, and I got to talk to him a lot. Uh, always showed him respect. Obviously, I thought he was you know if not the best, you know I thought he was the best in the game. And and I went up to him immediately when I got traded there, and I introduced myself. And uh, you know I did as I did to all the other people in the, in the clubhouse, but I did go up to him first because I felt like. You know, he was a guy. So he treated me 
fair and, and with respect for the most for the most part. And if you got mad at me, you'd let me know. Uh, and uh, I, I really never had a problem with him at all. Would Bonds talk about hitting, and would that influence you as a pitcher at all? We did uh, sometimes. Uh, I, I just don't know. Like sometimes I felt like he thought hitting was so easy because he made it look so easy, but he really does know a ton about hitting, and uh, you know. And if you're there to listen to him, and and if you could kind of grasp what he's saying, it does help. But it's, you know, I think he thinks on a higher level than a lot of people when it comes to hitting because it it kind of came a little more natural to him. Bonds is a hitting coach. If he can translate, you know, five percent of his ability to anybody else, I mean, everyone else will be an all star around him. You know. I agree. I agree. I've been saying that. You know, obviously, I live in Miami, so I get to see uh, the Marlins, and and I go to a game or two, and I've already uh, contacted, you know contact with him and we talked a little bit there and I you know I basically said man if you're teaching him anything you know this could be really really good for the Marlins going forward. You played for a few more years after San Francisco you played in Cleveland uh in 2009 then you had a little bit of a break from Major League Baseball you played in Japan for a year tell me about that experience. It was good um you know I just had my first kid um he was nine days old which was probably the hardest part um, but, you know, my agent called me as I was in the hospital and he said, hey, you know, you're stuck in AAA, you're going well, but I don't see you getting called up in the next, uh, next, uh, you know, you're not next on their list, uh, for wh- whatever reason. Uh, and he said, uh, I said, okay, well, I just, I'm on the, uh, I guess the four day, uh, I'm away from the team for four days because I'm here at the hospital. My wife's going to get birth. We're, you know, trying to get this done and then I'm going to probably head back. And he's like, all right, well, just call me. I got something for you. If you're interested, you know, at that point I was just like, oh, you got to tell me I can't hang up this phone and think about it the whole time. And then that's when he told me, you know, hey, I got a contract for you for Japan if you're interested. Da, 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 da. And I said, you know what, let me talk it over with my wife, but it's probably uh, something that I would like to go over there and do. Um, my roommate that that year in Pittsburgh was Jeremy Powell, which had a, a lengthy career in Japan and, and did well for him and his family. Um so I had known a lot about it, just picking his brain, and, and I wanted to go see what it was like. So, um, and it was great. It was a, a good experience. I felt safe the whole time there. Uh, the team treated me great. The fans were great. I just didn't throw as well as I would have liked. How did you find the level of competition compared to Major League Baseball? I think it's great. I think uh, it's just a little different. I think uh, there's a lot of guys that are going to, you know, foul ball, foul ball, uh, you know, kind of fight you a little more rather than the big swing, you know. And, and then when you have a slider uh that's your out pitch you know if they can keep fouling it off that's gonna hurt you and uh you know some of the bigger hitters here in in the states sometimes they're going for the downs and, and it's easier for me to get that slider down in the dirt they take a big swing and miss these guys are you know besides a couple guys in the lineup they're fighting you uh and and i can't tell you how many singles i gave up it was it was crazy honestly it was it was nuts i felt like they they just could pinpoint where they wanted to hit it uh but um you know as far as, as the big leagues and, and there, I mean, it's it's similar. There's just different uh, difference to it as far as power game and and all that. You actually pitched with Kenta Maeda in Japan. He was on your team. What was his stuff like then? Good. I mean, he he's, he's just a pitcher. Uh, I think you guys are seeing it now. Here is that he's a pitcher that mixes his pitches up. Um, he's not going to overwhelm you with with stuff. Uh, he didn't he didn't overwhelm me then with stuff. Uh, but he won every single game, and it felt like he threw a shutout every single game. And I was just trying to figure out what he was doing because I wanted to get on that same train, <laughs> to be honest. He was, he, was, he was a good guy. Obviously, there was a language barrier, but, uh, you know, we talked a little bit here and there. Um, 
with my interpreter and and like I said, it was it was amazing. All the guys took me in. Uh, they're like, uh, I don't know. I don't think I've not gotten along with a lot of uh, my teammates here in the states, and I definitely got along with everybody over there. Hopefully, they got along with me. I just didn't know what they were saying half the time. Tell me, tell me what it's like when you're you've reached it. You've made the majors, and you've you know you've teammates with Barry Bonds, and you faced Derek Jeter, and you Roy Halladay was one of your early teammates, and you you know it's still the work ethic in you and everything else, and. Then there's that period where you're playing in the majors, you get a steady run from 03 to 09, you go to Japan for a year, and then you're getting a gap. Then you're back in the minors. What's it like being back in the minors as a 30-year-old after you've already been in the majors for several years? Um, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's not the, the place you want to be. Um, I was fortunate enough in 2011. Uh, I played for for Oakland that year, uh, even though I thought I should have got called up at least once. Uh, I didn't, but... I got to play for the Rivercats, and we were so good that year. So, honestly, like, to win made all the difference. Uh, you know, there were still days of, uh, you know, this is terrible, I can't believe I'm here, this and that. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, you're, you're in the mix to try to get to the big leagues. And, and the more you complain or, or, you know, think about where you're at and, and instead of where you want to be, uh, it's going to keep you away. I mean, it's not going to help you to get to the big league. So I tried to keep an open mind. Uh, actually had Bush uh, as a manager that year and uh, Scott Emerson as a as a pitching coach, which were really cool to me. They obviously you knew I was kind of a veteran. Even you know, I, I guess at that time now I, I was a veteran because at 30 years old, I feel like you're you're ancient these days in the game. But it, it was it was uh, it was a good experience in Sacramento. We went to the last playoff game and lost against Omaha. And uh, it kind of went quickly because of that, um, you know, and uh, I didn't have a bad time. And then I guess uh, 2012, uh, what was 12? I was with, where, where was I in 12? You pitched in the big Milwaukee, leagues with Milwaukee, right? yep. Yeah, so Milwaukee, uh, obviously I was, I was throwing the ball, I thought, better than I had before uh, in the big leagues at some point uh, in, in that season. And, you know, they were the ones that gave me the best chance. One of the only ones that gave me a chance to go to uh, uh, spring training. Actually, it was a minor league spring training deal. But they told me, "Hey, we'll try to get you up in some games," and they did do that. And uh, I, I felt I felt good again. And then I uh, got called up, and it was you know it was like a, another little blessing because uh, I got to pitch in front of uh, my son, and and uh, he got to see me pitch in the big leagues where that didn't happen before. Uh, so it was it was pretty cool. It was it was a good time and and uh, it was a short stint, but it, it was all worth it. I got a nice little W there uh, to pad the stats, although my ERA was probably inflated. Uh, I got to beat the Cubs, so it's a story I'll be able to tell them for a little while. After your playing career, you became an agent. You actually just had your first Major League Baseball draft as an agent. Tell me what that experience was like for you. It was good. I actually took three, you know, I actually went off the face of the earth because I, I missed baseball so much. So I went into real estate for three years and, uh, you know, did well, but it, it definitely wasn't uh, the, the thing I really wanted to do uh, in my heart. And that's when, uh, you know, I, I got a call from, from Jeff Barry, you know, the guy with TA that represented me the whole time. Uh, I spoke to everybody all the time, but Jeff was my point person. And, and he asked me, he said, would, would you be interested in it? And I, I said, uh, absolutely. You know, I, I definitely think that uh, I made really good friends along the way in the game. I, I don't think I mistreated one person uh, at all. So I was like, you know what, I want to get back into it. I feel like it, it'd be good. Uh, and, and getting on that draft, uh, 
you know, with those guys. And, and, you know, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing what goes on behind the doors uh, that really, as a player, I didn't know. Uh, I, I really didn't know how hard Jeff was working for me. But in turn, now seeing what these guys do uh, and being able to, to do it with them and learn from them is, is amazing because it, there is a lot of things that go on that, that we really didn't have an idea or I didn't have an idea of. Like what? Oh, just uh, talking to teams, trying to you know figure out where we're going to go with a you know a guy. Uh, how much do you like him? This that. I mean, we we we're talking to if you know, get a four on a pick, and it's just uh, stuff that I probably don't want to discuss too too much, just because it's like internal. Um, but it, there's ways of of, of doing things uh, for the player in order for the player to be you know get the best contract possible, and 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 uh, you know I thought it was more hey uh, this is what we're going to give you you know. Obviously, I know there's negotiation, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're not really looking at that. You know, you're just, uh, they're going to give me this and we'll come back with this and this and this. But there's, there's things that go along with it as far as, you know, we have to be as prepped as, as the owners and the GMs are, uh, as far as analytics and especially now. Um, you know, that's, that's become a big, uh, a big thing. Analytics, metrics, all that stuff is coming into play. So. Did you see actually a transition in how information was disseminated to you and the type of information as a pitcher when you started? How much were analytics in play? And when you ended your oh. career, what kind of information were you getting? I mean, when I started my career, I want to say that Alex Anthopoulos uh, was bringing in some of the numbers, but it was more like, hey, uh, he was he was kind of bringing in papers that told us everybody's average, this, that. We'd go to have our meeting, our pitching meeting. This is how we're going to pitch them. Boom, that's it. I mean, it wasn't... Uh, broken down uh to the way that it's broken down through the day i mean there's ten thousand things that you know i'm still learning and i feel like i played this game forever which i pretty pretty much have in my in my life and uh i'm learning things every day it's exciting i feel like the more information players can have i, I know there was some resistance at first although a lot of players are getting more into it but i think players are really realizing that general managers are basing worth on these type of numbers and that players should use these numbers to their advantage yeah, I think I think it is definitely uh, helpful. I mean, uh, so long as the player takes it into account and 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 tries to to work with it, I think uh, a good mixture of of both types of 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 character. You know, you got the guy that knows the numbers and then can break down everything to a T, and then you got the baseball guy that and uh, that can basically be the guy you need to to lean on when you're mentally struggling because you know a, a lot of the part you know a lot of the game is mental as well. So. Uh, I think there's a, a, a thing that's talking to a baseball guy, um, uh, you know, at times, and then, you know, the numbers help as well. And if you're a guy that knows numbers and also knows how to treat uh, the baseball guys, and, and possibly, I mean, you're like, uh, you're like the ultimate uh, GM, you know, if you know both, both sides of it. You have an interesting perspective because you work as an agent now and you represent players and you obviously played in the league as well. The CBA is up at the end of the year. What are some issues that you think the players should be trying to get from the owners? I'm actually still uh, still reading through the CBA and, and learning things. Uh, I know one one crucial thing would probably be, uh, you know, to try to cut down the the gains. Uh, I mean, as a, as an agent, obviously, I don't see it as much, and it doesn't affect me as much as how many games there is, but or there are. But I mean, honestly, as a player, uh, there were times where I was downright tired and i was in the big leagues traveling great and and you know yeah you're traveling great you're staying in nice hotels but when you're switching from west to, to the west coast to the east coast and you're 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 getting done at two in the morning you're flying in you got to get up I, I i know it sounds petty but when you're trying to compete at a high level 
it does have a huge effect on your body. And, uh, you know, I think that would help, um, you know, or, or, or more days off. But the thing is, then the season gets longer. So I think they're going to try to hopefully work things out with that. And, uh, I mean, honestly, I don't know. Is, is there anything you really need to too much more of with, uh, with baseball? I think it's running pretty good right now. Yeah, if I were the players, I would want to fight for service time to get reduced. They basically have you under control for seven years, um, and they, there's a little bit of manipulation yeah, there. That, yeah, there's going to have to be some uh, some fighting there. Uh, obviously, you got to give up stuff. So, I mean, I don't know how much you know you're willing to to give up in order. You know, we'll see how how they work that out. Very good, Vinny. Real quick, last question: Seeing everything you know now, everything about analytics and everything you know in hindsight. How do you think your career would be different knowing what you know now? You know, I, I'd hate to say that it would be different and, and, and better if I knew more, uh, but obviously the wiser you are, if I was this wise now uh, with, I guess, my youth as a pitcher, I definitely would have, I would have, uh, I would have went after, you know, hitters a lot more. I would have trusted my stuff a lot more because, you know, just understanding how hard it is to hit on an everyday basis, uh, even though I knew it back then, you're still in the grind of competition, you know, and I try to tell these young guys that I represent now, um, you know, go after. I mean, you, you got to go after because you, you leave anything behind or, or maybe hold back on something. It could be the, the chance you got to uh, to become a superstar. So I just would have probably tried to, uh, to possibly, I think I would have been a little better off uh, knowing, hey, listen, you are the best, you're with the best, you know, sometimes you doubt yourself when you have a couple bad outings. I think now knowing uh, that we are human and even, you know, the best in the game have those, you still don't believe it when you're in the minute or in the moment. Sorry, but you just don't. You just like, how did that just happen? Is it going to happen again? And that's what you got to get out of your brain. You've been listening to Vinny Chulk. Vinny pitched in the majors for parts of eight seasons and is currently an agent with the CAA. You can give him a follow on Twitter at ChulkVinny. Vinny, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it.